Napa know-how. There are lots of amazing cars on the road, but perhaps none more amazing than the paid-off car. It may not be pretty, but the price is right. Heck, if you keep that thing running, it'll actually start paying you. Because with Napa Rewards, for every $100 you spend, you'll get $5 off. So keep your car running longer, stronger with Napa Rewards, and watch the savings start rolling in. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I see the one, could she be that lady? I feel you creeping, I can see it from my shadow. Wanna jump up in my Lamborghini Gallardo? Maybe go to my place and just kick it like Tybo. And possibly then you're over. That is exactly what the players at the NFL Combine did. They knocked it out of the park with an amazing NFL Combine that was as fun to be at and cover as it was for the players and a lot of the media to just see the numbers that were put up. Welcome into this Locked on Browns podcast. My name is Jared Mueller. You can always get a hold of me on Twitter at Jared K. Mueller. That's J-A-R-E-D. K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R, and I'm coming to you back at home after spending Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in Indianapolis for the Combine, where things are a little different than they've been in the last few years, and so fans are allowed to be engaged in the process, but I'm not sure how much fun that is uh, for some. Some probably loved it. Some probably didn't think it was enough. Uh, And the media are kind of pushed off to the side, and I guess that's okay. A lot of people will say that's because of money, but the reality is is that there is no one that had to pay as a fan to see the workouts, be a part of that. And so whether they were a part of one iota, which does kind of seat filler kind of things inside the stadium, but were told to be quiet and not bring their cell phones and yada, yada, yada or whether they were inside kind of the fan experience where the bench press was and then a bunch of other kind of activities. In general, the fans didn't have to pay, but whether it was good enough for them to drive from wherever they drove is a different discussion. And we'll have Mac Robinson putting up a piece on the CLE for me talking about his experience. Outside of the combine is always very, very interesting because you have a lot of Uh, media. You have a lot of NFL teams. Uh, You have some fans. You have some ex-players. You have some current players. You have a lot of stuff going on. And so in years past, where the fun used to be over the last at least couple years and more as it's been described to me, all of a sudden that's not where everybody was. And so just so just giving you guys a little bit of a peek on the inside from a media's perspective, um, basically media sat at really long tables and looked at TVs that the NFL Network was playing and with no sound, gathered information the same way we would have probably sitting at home, except we gathered that information in Indianapolis. Then, at that point, we were allowed into the interview room and um, interviewed players at the podium, but pretty much 
didn't have the opportunity to access players in the way be, we have before. And so in the past, when we've been inside the stadium, media has had the opportunity to see players before and after and all kinds of stuff. Um, that just didn't happen. And so um, it was really dependent on uh, a very few amount of media who were allowed kind of bigger or special access to get some of those kind of stories, those interviews, those kind of things. And then besides that, there's a whole lot of drinking that happens, a whole lot of partying that happens. And it's a very interesting place to be because um, putting yourself out there and being um, weird and creepy is bad. Uh, but you want to have some level of aggression when it comes to talking to people or you just want to have some fun. And so, uh, again, I look forward to what Mac uh, is going to put out for us on the CLE for me uh, about his experience as a fan. But We'll get back to the combine itself. And so just to be honest, I am still overwhelmed by the experience. Um, I walked like 12 miles total uh, just because of getting from the hotel to the conference center and then back and then to wherever else we were going to hang out to the next place we're going to hang out and the next place we're going to hang out and then where the next people might be and all that kind of fun stuff uh, as well as getting a workout in. So I'm also physically tired, but that's okay. Back to my full-time job today. But the combine itself, looking at what happened at the combine outside of really the quarterbacks, which I'll talk to talk about in just a second, really what the Browns were looking for or the Browns might be looking for really stood out. And so let's start. We'll just go on the offensive side. Again, you know, for me, it is the tight end. It is the center position. Those are kind of the two areas on offense that I think the Browns need to focus on, even if they don't bring back. Uh, Terrell Pryor, I don't think the wide receiver position uh, is as big of a need as you would say it might be. Um, and that's okay. We can disagree on that. I think Hugh Jackson, uh, I think with Seth the Valve and Corey Coleman and Richard Higgins and Ricardo Lewis, um, I think there is a lot of talent there. I don't think the number 12 pick comes into play. So besides tight end uh, and center, but at the tight end position, what we saw is there was a lot of monsters. I mean, just pure monsters in this draft when it comes to size and speed and, and you know you start with Jake Butt who is hurt six foot five Farrell Brown from Oregon six foot six 35 inch arms um, going down Evan Ingram was six foot three 234 pounds 33 inch arms 10 inch hands he ran a 442 had 19 reps on the bench had a 36 inch vertical a 10 and a half foot broad jump a 6.923 cone, it's ridiculous numbers. His short shuttle is 4.23, just ridiculous numbers. Um, and so as we kind of go down, O.J. Howard, we knew was going to do well, 6.5, bench, 30-inch vertical is a little disappointing, but uh, a 10 and 1-inch broad, 6 0.853 cone is ridiculous and the best of the tight ends that I have the information on uh, 4.163 cone again ridiculous and an 11.4660 shuttle so Howard showed out uh, Michael Roberts from Toledo looked good even though he was slow he was huge um, so there's just a lot of tight ends that really kind of came to the party for the Browns um, and so I'm really excited. Um, I can't pronounce David's uh, from Miami, David Njuku. I have no idea, but I know my boy will let me know. Uh, he was six foot four, 
um, 4.64, 40-yard dash, 21 bench, 37.5 vertical. He jumped 11 feet one. That's crazy, right? So tight ends, there's a lot of good options out there. Offensive line, uh, for me, Pat Elfline looked really good. Um, six foot two, 303 pounds, um, ran a good time. Just everything looked good about Pat Elfline. Um, some of the other guys still looked really good to me. Uh, I'm still okay with Ethan Posick. Um, I like Tolo Orlovsky out of uh, West Virginia. Um, even though he really didn't perform many of the drills, uh, he had 24 on the bench. Um, so really at the center position, there were a couple guys that looked pretty good. Uh, maybe not exactly what we were hoping for, um, but with the rest of the offensive line class being pretty weak, uh, it looks pretty impressive what Pat uh, Elfline was able to do. Uh, Dan Feeney looked pretty good as a guard. Uh, so there's some there's some talent on the offensive line that fits what the Browns need. Maybe not offensive tackle, um, not many guards, um, but the strength of the group really is in the depth at the center position, which is the Browns need. Then you look at the defensive line or edge guys, and you just have to be blown away by some of the speeds. Obviously, we talked a lot about Miles Garrett, um, but really there's a lot of people that were impressed by like Jordan Willis, who impressed a lot of people with his 4-5-3, uh, which is just a really good uh, time there. Hassan Reddick, who's most likely to transition to some type of outside linebacker, possibly in a 4-3 defensive. Uh, system as an outside linebacker, maybe an inside linebacker as a, in a 3-4 defense. Uh, probably not some of the Browns are going to focus on just based on his, uh, just on positional need and those kind of role need. Carl Lawson, 4-6-7 is not amazing, but it's very, very good. Uh, Trey Hendrickson looked good out of Florida Atlantic with his time. Um, obviously, we know all about Miles Garrett. So there's just a lot of guys who, who really showed up on the edge class. And so, um, Maybe someone like Caleb Brantley will look good as a defensive tackle, but I don't really think there's a strong three technique um, class. I do think Jonathan Allen will fall, as I've stated for a while. Whether he falls uh, beyond 12 will be interesting. Uh, Pete Smith doesn't believe he's a what he calls a full-service three technique. I think he could be next to the mammoth Danny Shelton um, and with some really, really good out, uh, pass rushers outside of him and Miles Garrett and Emmanuel Ogba. And so overall, uh, I think Allen falls farther than most people think. I also said last year that Miles Jack was going to fall, and many people thought I was crazy, but I thought somewhere in the second round, uh, late, thir- late first, early second was where Miles Jack would be. I was told I was crazy, uh, but I, I don't know if Allen falls that far, um, but Jeff Risden of the Browns wire believes he falls between 25 and 40. So it's really interesting to see where he goes. Uh, I think I take the chance, obviously at 33, probably even over Buda Baker, my guy, Um, which leads us to the defensive back class. And they all kind of did their running today. Uh, Unfortunately, the uh, system that I'm looking at with the combine results, I can't kind of sort. And I was at work all day. Uh, to really sort the speed out. But when you look at this class, I'm just going to kind of walk through. Jamal Adams looked fine at 4-5-6. Um, his hips, his ability, his change of direction uh, is really, really good, as shown by his short shuttle 4.13. His three-cone wasn't bad at 6-9-6. Not bad at all there. Uh, my guy, Buda Baker, 4-4-5. Four, four, 
perfect. Four four five. Um, had a thirty two and a half inch vertical. Uh, his broad jump wasn't great. Three cone four point. I'm sorry, short shuttle is four point oh eight. Awesome. Chidobi Awuzu out of Colorado four four three. Um, my other guy, and I'm going to mess up his name again, but let me at least look at it when I try to. Obi Menli Funwu out of Yukon, measured in at basically 6 foot 4 and 224 pounds, had a, had 32 inch arms, 9 and 8 inch hands, I don't really care about, ran a 4-4, jumped 44 inches, and broad jumped almost 12 feet. Those are some alien-like numbers. At this point, many people believe that even though his tape says late second, early third, his body type says he's going in the first round, which is disappointing to me uh, as I was kind of hopeful for a third round OB getting Buda Baker at number 33. I didn't really care at that point of 52. Probably a Pat Elfline would have been great. And then getting OB to play kind of that versatile, strong safety hybrid linebacker role. Um, he actually said some teams had talked to him about it. Marshawn Lattimore out of Ohio State, a 4-3-6, and he even seemed to pull up late. Um, now, he's an interesting case because many people have him as their cornerback number one, um, but he hurt what people started to say was his uh, hamstrings, which he's had issues with those in the past. He came out and said it was his hip pointer, but there will be some concerns about his long-term longevity health issues with those hamstrings um, just based on the fact that those kind of injuries seem to want to linger. But the Browns, who have a high need at the defensive back position, again, whether that's corner, small, I'm sorry, free safety, strong safety, um, there's really just a ton of guys that look good. A guy that didn't look so good would be Tease Tabor out of Florida. Much like Joe Hayden out of Florida, ran a slow 40 time, his official is 462. That's not really going to do it for many. 31-inch vertical is fine. His 10-inch broad jump is fine. But uh, at 6 foot, 199 pounds, running a 4.62 just does not do it for a lot of people. And so we're most likely to see him fall. How far he falls will be very, very interesting. Because a lot of people believe that his uh, partner at Florida, Quincy Wilson, was really the better of the two cornerbacks here in a 4-5-4. Only jumped 32 inches, so again, not much different. Um, and actually, his broad jump at 9 feet 10 was okay. But again, a little short of tees. But again, most people like that speed and would be concerned, even though it's only .08. That's a big difference uh, in NFL player or NFL uh, GM's eyes. So, Again, the areas where the Browns have a lot of need, they really did kind of smack that. They really knocked it out of a park. Unfortunately, some of the guys that I really like are probably out of the Browns' range now. But a player like Cordary, Cordry Tankersley uh, is more likely now um, possible available at the 52 position, maybe even 33. Um, at six foot one, ran a 4'4". Uh, so there's going to be a lot of people interested in him. But the great thing about the defensive back class again, safety and quarterback, is that because there's so much depth, it's possible that many people believe that they'll be able to get a corner or a safety later, which kind of pushes up some of the other positions that maybe the Browns don't need. It's a way of thinking for a lot of teams is um, if I have a similarly gar or graded player 
where might there be more depth? Where might I have more of an opportunity to find a good corner, a good tight end, that kind of player, a good maybe even edge player, compared to maybe not so good depth at the offensive tackle position? Um, maybe not so good of depth at the defensive tackle position, those kind of things. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see the areas where the Browns have a lot of need. There is, seems to be a lot of depth. And so uh, a lot of excitement there. Now the quarterbacks, I don't really even care that much about pretty much anything outside of height, weight, um, arm length, eh, not so much hand kind of important. Everything else really doesn't matter to me that much. The vertical and the broad jump kind of tell me what kind of athlete they are. Um, but then again, Trevor Knight jumped, had his vertical of 35 and a half inches and a broad jump of 10 and a half. Does that mean I'm going to care about him or push him up? Absolutely not. Mitch Leidner, 34 and a half, 10 and third inch broad jump. I don't care. All right. So my, my guy, Deshaun Watson, 32 and a half inch vertical and nine and 11 inch broad jump. Again, don't care, but it does say that he's an athlete. Pat Mahomes, 30 inch vertical, nine and a half inch broad jump. Tells you he's an athlete. Mitch Trubisky came a little lower uh, on the vertical, 27 and a half, um, but did get a nine foot, eight inch broad jump. But again, I don't care about all that. What I ended up caring about is as I'm watching the quarterbacks, I didn't really see guys as a whole out of someone like Kaiser, I didn't really see a player who really seemed comfortable. Uh, Brad Kaea, that guy looked like he was waiting for his receiver to get open most of the time. Now, the three other big guys, Mahomes didn't look awesome. He started to settle down a little bit, but didn't look awesome. Trubisky looked okay. And Deshaun Watson, as I expected, looked the best of everybody. And so, all I know is that the combine, the throws that they were making, probably confirmed some of the biases that many of us had about this wide or this quarterback class. And that is that there are some concerns there. I think you see a lot of talent, but there are obviously some concerns when it comes to this quarterback class. I said it on, I believe it was on my Friday podcast, is the interesting thing for me is at the combine, the quarterbacks are throwing to people they don't know pretty much at all. And so the timing, the routes, where they like the ball, those kind of things, they have no clue. And then at their pro days, they're generally throwing with, uh, in a very orchestrated, uh, planned, this is exactly how this is going to happen kind of way. And somewhere in between is reality. If you've practiced and practiced and practiced the exact same routes with the exact same guy, and have enough talent, obviously, as they do, well, you're going to look pretty good in your pro day. The combine doesn't allow for any of that, and so you look pretty bad. But overall, when you have someone like Kaiser airmailing the wide receiver by like three feet, that is concerning. Um, and so, and there were times where you saw the quarterbacks, they'd airmail one, and then they put the next one at someone's feet, and then you saw him really kind of aiming the final one uh, or the third one because they just needed to get it, get a completion. And so overall, 
I left the combine with a lot of different thoughts, but it confirmed a lot of what we expected. And that's really what the combine should do is it either should confirm what you saw on the tape or it should send you back to the tape. And so what I mean by that is if you thought someone was really, really good and they graded pretty poorly, you should go back to the tape and see maybe what you missed. Was it level of competition? Was it scheme? What was it? And if you didn't like someone, you thought they weren't athletic, whatever, whatever, and they test really well, then you should go back to the tape and see what you miss. Was there something going on there? Are they just a workout warrior? Are they? What are they? And then if it confirms what you thought, just make sure you're not just looking for what you want to look for. Uh, and I wrote about that on the Orange and Brown Report about confirmation bias and how it plays a huge role. Um, you know, I heard on the NFL Network they talked about uh, Cooper Cup. And and even though he his 40 time was terrible and the wide receiver are bad, they just said, nope, he's fast. I know he's fast. That's a lot of confirmation bias, which is problematic as you uh, evaluate players. Just like if I only see the positives in Deshaun Watson, Buda Baker, Obi Menaflau, that's a problem. And so that's really what's going to be important as you kind of take the information from the combine. Leaving the combine, uh, and those of you that follow me on Twitter, again, at Jared K. Mueller, at J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R, you know I'm kind of at the point where really it is Miles Garrett at number one, most likely. Uh, and then it's a quarterback at 12. And then it's whoever the best player, hopefully a safety or three, uh, or at least uh, a DB or, or two or three uh, after that. But that the Browns really are at a place where uh, it looks like it's going to be Garrett and then a quarterback. And it'll be interesting to see what happens from there. Thank you for stopping by this Locked On Browns podcast. The rest of the week, it looks like free agency trades. Those kind of things are kind of going to be the focus. Uh, and so we'll go away from the draft for a little while. Uh, and we will um, pick it back up as free agency kind of comes to a close. So, again, get a hold of me on Twitter at Jared K. Mueller. That's J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. Thanks for stopping by. And go Browns.